0: Welcome to the Checkable Health Podcast, where we're helping everyday moms rethink how their healthcare begins at home through healthy living, access to information, and technology. On each episode, we interview healthcare providers and experts on topics that affect us as mothers as we raise our children. We'll cover topics across the spectrum of health to bring awareness of important issues, conditions, therapies, and technology. We believe your healthcare begins at home with us moms. The healthier we are, the healthier our loved ones are. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Checkable Health Podcast. I'm Patty Post, your host, founder and CEO of Checkable. Today, I have a guest who I would guess that many of you know. It's Dr. Ricky Brown from Scottsdale, Arizona. And he is the owner of the Brown Plastic Surgery Clinic. And he is a double board certified surgeon, Dr. Brown. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thanks, Patty. Thanks for having me.
0: So you're in beautiful Scottsdale, Paradise Valley.
1: Yeah, I live in Scottsdale, actually. So Paradise Valley is a little bit east and south of where I am, but I live right next to it. Amazing. That's where all the high class people live, not me.
0: Well, (laughs) come on now. I mean, so I just dropped my son off at Grand Canyon University. And um, have really gotten to know that area. And I was doing some research on aesthetics and plastic surgery and where the mecca of that is. And really, it pointed to Scottsdale, Phoenix, Paradise Valley. So you are in just the perfect place.
1: Yeah, we really are. I'll tell you, there's been a lot of spillover from Beverly Hills and in California in general since COVID in the past several years. A lot of people have moved here. And it really, really has become a humongous place for plastic surgery. There's over a hundred of us in town.
0: Holy cow. So you have, you are, you're an owner operator as we would say in business.
1: Yes, ma'am. So I started my practice in 09 when I graduated from plastic surgery training and came out here and just started working with another surgeon who was almost about to retire, at least he said he was. Okay. And, uh, and he did. After about a year of being with him, he he left. He said, the practice is yours. Enjoy it. What you want is yours. What you don't want, I'll sell. And I've been in practice since that day.
0: Wow. That is amazing. So you have, tell us about a plastic surgery center. What do you have your OR on site, clinic on site? Yeah.
1: So for me, I don't do that. So I use a friend of mine's surgery center. He is a plastic surgeon. His wife is an anesthesiologist. Nice. You know, to own and operate your own surgery center, it's a big convenience for a plastic surgeon, but they're not really big money makers. Mm-hmm. Unless you have multiple people using your center that are paying facility fees and anesthesia. So for some reason for me, I just built my practice and I always had his place to go do cases. And they're top-notch, great experience over there. They know me. I've been there for 10 years So I just, you know, use their center and they're going to build a new one, which I'll probably have some ownership in. So I'll benefit from that. But to run one on your own, it's a lot.
0: Yes. Oh, definitely. That's, there are things that in business we do need to outsource, right? Absolutely. And you want to go to a surgery center that is of the utmost quality too. And the surgeon is the utmost quality. So your patients are going for you, not for the surgery center.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, as things go, right, if I feel like I'm a high quality surgeon, I'm only going to take them to a high quality center, which I know delivers the same kind of care that I do and they do.
0: Mm-hmm. So when I opened, I said a lot of you probably follow Dr. Ricky Brown. Just let's start with What is your handle on TikTok? Because you're a TikTok guy.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's the real TikTok doc. The
0: real TikTok doc. I got that
1: early on. So when I first started, I think there was another doctor who had the TikTok or something like that, or TikTok doc. And Uh I was like, man, I really want that. So I changed mine to the real TikTok doc. And I think he changed his after I did that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, how has that affected your practice and just you personally of your personal brand?
1: It's been great for me. You know, social media in general, Has been an awesome way for me to show people who I am, my family, my practice, my work. It's really brought me a ton of business. And you know, TikTok started out kind of as a, I'm sick of Instagram. I was having trouble growing there. A lot of us as physicians are kind of suppressed on that platform. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, let me check this TikTok thing out because I used to hear Gary Vaynerchuk talk about it all the time. Gary V is always Mm -hmm. talking about TikTok. Yeah. So when COVID hit, I had nothing but time. Mm -hmm. So I started just making posts and, you know, kind of growing that account. And of course you see like it got crazy viral really fast and I've gotten tons of business from it. It's insane.
0: That's awesome. Do people come around the country to visit you? They do. Oh Wow.
1: It's pretty wild. I mean, it's flattering. And it's honestly, when people tell me they found me from TikTok and we do virtual consultations here and they're in other states, it's really amazing. And sometimes we'll get a few now and again coming from other countries.
0: Really? That's, there's so much trust that's built there after taking in that content. You really feel like you, I feel like I know you like, and I trust you.
1: It's exactly what people say. I did a podcast maybe three or four years ago and we talked about how so many people were resisting social media for their businesses. And we talked about the fact that so many people are missing the boat on your ability to just show people who you are. Uh, You see me, right? Like I'm not always just talking about plastic surgery. I'll talk about medicine in general or I'll put motivational content up or I'll do something about my wife and my kids and my family. And so when people come to see me, they're like, I feel like I already know you. And that's I'm like, that's the point.
0: Yes. When you get into a clinical space, sometimes it's hard. You get the question from your provider. Oh, do you have any questions for me? And if you you don't feel comfortable in, with that person, a lot of times you freeze. You're like, I don't know what my questions are. And then you come home and you're like, oh, I've, I have like a million. I wish I would have had that. But what a difference to feel comfortable with you.
1: Yeah, it's huge. And I'll tell you, I'm a little bit different than a lot of docs. Like I spend a lot of time in my DMs answering DMs. Okay. And those patients you're talking about might go home and say, hey, I forgot to ask you this. And I'll respond to them. And they're like, oh my God, you responded. And I'm like, well, yeah, this is like an extension of who I am. I do have to control it and my family life a little bit. But it's just another way to make contact with your patients in a way that a lot of people don't do. And it really means a lot to the patient.
0: You have such like reading your bio and what your practice is all about. I just, it's like emulating through what you're saying right now. So I, what i bounced off to me and really struck a chord was the health and wellness. And plastic surgery just isn't about that, what you're going to see, the appearance. But can you share with the audience your approach to your practice through health and wellness?
1: Absolutely. It's kind of evolved over the past several years. And it started when patients would come in to see me, And the whole sensitive subject of weight, right? Like BMI and weight and who's good for surgery and who's not. When I would see patients that I would consider not overweight, but just weren't good candidates to obtain the best result, I started to think to myself, I'm sitting here educating people about macros and tracking and exercise and moving their body. And then I send them out the door to go do all that stuff thinking, oh, they'll come back sometime when they're ready for surgery and they're gone, right? yeah Because they leave and they're confused about how do I engage in this process? <laughs> so I really started to realize over time that I wanted to bring all that in-house. And so my approach is when I see a patient who wants a tummy tuck let's say, and i know that they've got what we call a lot of visceral bulging which is fat that surrounds the organs that are behind the muscle and they've got a kind of a rounder belly and their goal is to have as flat of a belly as possible and to get rid of some of the skin I realize, hey guys, this is weight loss. This is this is before we do surgery, you need to lose weight not because I think you're overweight, but if uh-huh. you want to obtain the best result possible and you're telling me you want your stomach to be flatter, you want to take all the extra skin off, we need to talk about dialing in your health and wellness lifestyle first so that you can obtain the physique that you want to let you get the best surgical result. So my approach in general is I'm all about lifestyle change first. I think that surgery should be your last resort. You should maximize everything you can with eating well and exercising. And clearly someone with droopy breasts who has ptosis can't exercise that away. So that's a different story. But when it comes to body surgery, I really want people to live the best lifestyle they can first, because guess what? If they change their lifestyle, they have a procedure, They're now set up to maintain their body post-surgery, whereas if you don't change what you're doing before surgery, you'll have surgery, and then they gain their weight back within a year, and they're frustrated. So that's my approach, is always health and wellness first. Maximize everything you can do without having surgery, and then if you still need surgery, we'll do that.
0: So when you get to the point of, uh, well, that makes complete sense because... A lot of it is mental too, like getting into a routine, understanding that it's a lifestyle change, embracing that, that it's the best for you. So if you still do, once you get through that, you still do feel like you want that tummy tuck, let's say, then what is it? How do you coach your patients about like, okay, there's the stigma out here. How do I talk to people about this? Is it really best for me? Maybe I should just live with this the rest of my life.
1: Yeah. You know, I really try to focus on patients doing things for themselves. I think that's where it all starts, right? If you're doing it for someone else and you're worried about what other people think, it's probably not the right thing to do. So I try to get people in the mindset because most of the people I see are moms. They've had babies and they want to fix things, right? Mm -hmm. And I see women of all ages, but that's a big part of my population. And I just look them in the face in the clinic and I tell them, you are allowed to do something for yourself without being judged by you or anyone else. If you're worried about what other people think, then you're not doing it for the right reason. If you're doing this for you and you want to feel better in your skin so that you can then be a better parent, a better spouse, better at your job, then you should do that. And that's what I coach them in clinic. It's
0: confidence. That's such great coaching because it comes down to confidence. How are you going to How are you going to perceive yourself in the world Mm -hmm. and then go about your days as a confident person? And if it is that tummy tuck, then why let someone else's judgment hold you down from that?
1: Yeah. And there's a huge stigma there, right? We see it on social media all the time. I get comments all the time when I put posts up about why it's why I would just never do anything. And I feel like a lot of those people are maybe young kids So I'm like, just wait,
0: <laughs> one day you will right. be old
1: and you yes. will be singing a different tune. But honestly, so we see that a lot. And I think what people don't realize is they equate having a procedure with being shallow or not loving yourself. And I tell them it's actually just the opposite. Just because you wanna do something to feel better in your skin, it doesn't mean that you don't love yourself or see yourself in a good light. It just means you don't like something, And you want to fix it. Right. And there's nothing wrong with doing that if that's going to make you a better person overall.
0: Mm -hmm. Show up as your best self, right? Totally. That's what that helps you do. So I have some questions around, so we have people that listen that are, you know, come from a lot of wealth and they have a lot of liquidity that they could spend and do what they want to do. But then we have listeners that, might not they are working on a budget. I'm working on a budget. What are some ways that, if we want to build confidence, what are some easy things that we could do? Let's just take up here. What are some easy things that you recommend to your clients as for aesthetics? Like biggest bang for your buck
1: for above, above the neck? Yeah. So if you have a little bit of disposable income, you can always do things like skincare. I think it all is for the face, it all starts with skincare. Mm-hmm. You know, sunscreen, moisturizers, exfoliators, a vitamin C product, and a retinoid. Those are probably three or four of the main products that if everyone used on a daily basis, they would see changes in their skin. So I think that's a great way to go. Mm-hmm. If you want to step it up a tier and start spending a little bit more money if you have it. I really do truly believe that a neurotoxin like Botox and some type of a hyaluronic acid filler, which are really the only ones that I would recommend to fill some areas or freeze the muscle in an area that you don't like lines. Those are great things. Mm-hmm. Another inexpensive thing you can do are dermaplaning. See an esthetician, get dermaplaned. Dermaplaning is great exfoliating in that skin now and again. You could even do a pretty inexpensive peel, there's really gentle peels that you can do today. Those are all great things. So it starts with, I think, skincare and obviously a well-balanced diet is really good for you. And then you step up to things like injectables. And then the next tier up in spending, I think, would be things like radiofrequency. I'm blanking right now. Microneedling. (laughs) The word microneedling escaped me. So radiofrequency and microneedling. You could do things like CO2 laser resurfacing. So I would say the upper tier stuff would be like lasers and injectables. But Those are great things you can do that I think you can do at a reasonable cost because there's so many med spas now that there's always going to be a good deal to do some of that stuff.
0: Right. Yeah. You could even, if you were really on a budget, bounce around and get your ten dollars or whatever that is, right? Like find your Be careful. Find your Well, that's that was what I wanted to go to next because you do share some like wow. Like I was thinking of the threading. I saw this one that you post. I was like, Oh my goodness, because I remember seeing a woman that had it done. Yeah. And it looked so painful. Is that even is that a surgical procedure that you do in the OR?
1: No, they do it in the office. I don't do them, to be clear. I'm just, I'm not a huge fan of them. My disclaimer to this would be, yes, there are probably plenty of injectors and people out there that use threads to get great results and people are happy. Mm-hmm. In general, I don't love them. There were a lot of comments on that post of saying, I had that done and it really, really hurt. Because to be honest with you, you have to pass those things pretty deep in the tissue so that they aren't too close to the skin, so they aren't palpable, so they don't cause an inflammatory response that you can then see through the skin. So mm-hmm. it can be uncomfortable. But it really posts what I talked about is it just goes against all principles of actually lifting the face. It's not when we lift a face and I don't do face anymore. Mm-hmm. When we do a facelift, it's not a skin only lift. It's all the deeper musculature layers that we use and elevate and tack them with sutures to hold the face up. And then the skin just redrapes around that. So when you do pass those beneath the skin it's so easy for them to show through. So, uh-huh. and it's just not the proper way to lift the face. So I always yeah. try to shed some light on those things to you guys to tell people, not saying you don't do it, but just buyer beware. Uh-huh. Here are some of the negative drawbacks. And if it's something you're going to have to do every six months, that's a little bit more invasive. It may yeah. not be the best thing to do.
0: Right. Not worth it. Pain. No. Okay, so you're not doing anything shoulders up. You are really working your plastic surgeries shoulders down.
1: Neck down. I did that about three or four years ago. I stopped doing face. Okay. But I still know about it and I can talk about it.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, of course, right? That's yeah. that's the the beauty of it. Yeah. Of your training. And I do have, I don't know, should I say it's for personnel? I've always wondered about liposuction. What is liposuction? How does it work? I have a friend who had triplets and she had liposuction afterwards and a tummy tuck. She looks so great. And she's like, it was life-changing for me because after those three girls were compact inside of her, and she's just a little lady, it was, she had to do something. And um, she did get breast augmentation too. So some of these things of like women still doing a mommy makeover and
1: Oh, yeah. Like
0: in your 40s as your and maybe women in their 30s too, tell us about that and what do we do?
1: So it's probably one of the most common things that I do are these mommy makeovers where women will come in and they'll want multiple procedures done at the same time. So it's usually liposuction of a certain area, tummy tuck, a breast implant or a breast implant with a lift. So we see this all the time. It's literally the most common population of women that I see. I think you were asking, what is lipo? Liposuction is basically passing the cannula beneath the tissue to take out extra fat cells. And we only do that when people have pretty good quality skin because if they've got really loose, lax skin and we do liposuction, you can have more loose skin. So people who have trouble areas are mostly the people that I do lipo in Mm -hmm. who are really trying to contour like maybe the love handle area or the flank area or right around the belly button. There are areas that they just want to be treated that aren't responding to meal plan and exercise, then we'll do some lipo. Mm -hmm. And then if they have a lot of extra skin, we'll do the tummy tuck. So a lot of women have that diastasis recti where the muscles are really lax in the abdominal wall. And in those cases, we'll do a formal tummy tuck where we have to elevate all the skin to expose the musculature. We'll tighten up those muscles in the midline. Sometimes I'll fix little hernias. And then after that, we take off all the extra skin and close them up. So we do all that stuff at the same time.
0: So when you talk about muscles, when I, my trainer says, well, you've had three C-sections, so your muscles probably weren't put back the right way. Like, what does that mean? Is that true?
1: So it's not that the muscles weren't, you mean after a C-section? Is that what you said? Yeah. Oh, a lot of women say that. So it's not that the muscles weren't put back right. It's when they do a tummy tuck or they do a C-section, they actually cut through the uterus. They have to go all the way down to the muscle, cut through the abdominal wall, and then they get into the uterus. That causes some pretty robust scarring sometimes with that scar where we'll see where it's kind of indented. And it's not that they did anything wrong. It's just that it's really, really scarred down in that spot because it goes all the way down to the musculature. Mm -hmm. So in those cases, when I do a tummy tuck, we cut the old scar out and we can fix that so they don't... Don't have that when they're done with their tummy tuck.
0: Oh wow! You just cut it out like you don't have it anymore.
1: Well, the incision is usually below where the C section is. Okay. So when we pull all that skin tight, we take yeah. off the extra skin. Then that scar goes with the specimen.
0: Oh my gosh, that is awesome. so cool! Yeah, that's that's cool. just awesome. If you do a mommy makeover, then what's the recovery like? Are you tapped out for like three months? <laughs>
1: Usually, I have them take about two weeks off. That doesn't mean they're healed after two weeks. It's really six weeks is like the first sort of short term recovery period. So, people are at home for two weeks and then they can kind of start to get back to light activity, but not too much. You're really down for two or three after a procedure like that. Mm -hmm. By six weeks, they're getting back to working out and doing some of the things that they were doing before. Mm. And then from six weeks out to a whole year, they're just dealing with little things changing, like areas of scars that are softening up. Mm-hmm. The breasts are starting to stretch and the implants are dropping. <laughs> Liposuction is starting to, the swelling's going down and contouring is happening. So the first six weeks is like the initial recovery period. And then after six weeks, I just tell them things are kind of perfecting over the next year.
0: Oh, wow. I just think of like what a baby I am after surgery. I'm like, don't talk to him. Like, you, you just oh. have to be like two weeks. Don't just have someone take care of you. Like my husband, you're just going to help. Yeah, we have good
1: medications and I inject the yeah. abdominal wall with the medicine that makes them numb for a couple of days so they didn't really feel oh. it after a tummy tuck. So there's a lot of things we can do to make people comfortable. Okay. But I'll tell you, liposuction, they say, is the one that hurts the most. And I had some.
0: Oh, yeah, really?
1: I had it done on my flanks because my flanks were always a trouble area. I'm a perfect candidate, right? Like in shape, fit. I do it all the time. This is the one spot that I couldn't stand. So I did it. Yeah. And did it hurt? Yeah, it was sore, but it wasn't like excruciating. But when you do the abdominal wall and you do the bra roll on the back and the flank area, (laughs) it probably hurts more than a tummy tuck for most people.
0: Ooh, really? Okay.
1: Yeah. Lipo is what people say hurts the most.
0: But then the result
1: such a great result. If you, if you pick the right candidate and this holds true for everything in plastic surgery, you Mm -hmm. pick the right candidate, you can get beautiful results
0: Mm -hmm. and it's all
1: who's doing it too, right?
0: Yes. Yes. So that was my last thing with wrapping this up of choosing that. So if you're self-selecting yourself as a candidate for plastic surgery, choosing that surgeon that you feel comfortable with, can you give us some advice on, how to how to interview them? What to look for?
1: Absolutely, a couple quick things that I would say is number one: go to your local state board, look up those surgeons to make sure that they don't have any injunctions or things against them. The second thing that I think is really important is you know, outside of board certification, that doesn't mean that everyone is a great surgeon if they're board certified. Is kind of talking to people in your community about surgeons that they've been to and who they trust. So yeah. that's that, that's where I would start. I would try to build a group of three to five surgeons that you really have heard and have read great reviews about that seem to be really good surgeons. And then you just need to set aside a little cash to go interview each one. Mm -hmm. And when you get to that interview, what I tell people is, it's all a vibe, right? When
0: Mm -hmm. you get in there,
1: how do you feel when you're talking to them? Does it look like the staff likes the surgeon? Does the staff talk positively about the surgeon? Are the staff rude or are they nice? Mm-hmm. So you want to pay attention to all of those things. And I think when you get in to actually do the consultation, I'm not so worried about when you get into the consultation about whether you totally jive with the surgeon, but I really want to make sure that they're giving you the information you need. Sure. You're not you're not being pushed out the door in two seconds. I spend right. an hour with patients. If they need an hour, yeah, I spend an hour going through everything. So I would be careful to look for the the surgeon who kind of comes in and comes out, mm-hmm. or you spend a majority of your time at the consultation with maybe their physician's assistants or their PAs because they're trying to drive as many people through the practice as they can. Mm-hmm. For me, it's all about who gave you the time you needed are they capable and able of doing what they did? And does the staff like them and do you jive with them? So you'll have your list of questions to ask and just get a sense of how you feel. Because I'll tell you, most patients when they see the surgeon, that's their surgeon, they walk out of the office. And when they come back for surgery with me, they'll tell me this. They'll be like, yeah, after your consult, I knew it was totally different yeah. than everyone else. Yeah. So you want to kind of get that feeling when you go to your consult.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and they always have the option of coming into Phoenix and seeing Dr. Brown, right?
1: Absolutely.
0: We would love that. (laughs) We have to do it. Come to
1: paradise. Just don't come to paradise in the summer because you'll fry.
0: Oh, yeah. You got to stay in air conditioning if you're going to do that, right?
1: It's insane.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Dr. Brown. It was an absolute pleasure learning from you. I learned so much selfishly. I love this podcast because I always put the content together so I can learn something. And I certainly did today. I love it. And is there anything that you would like to leave our guests with words of innovation, inspiration?
1: Yeah. I always like to say stuff like, don't be afraid to do something. Don't listen to everyone else. Be reasonable with what your expectations are. I think that's a huge thing when you go to offices is some people in their mind are expecting this result when only this result is possible. Mm -hmm. So just have reasonable expectations. Don't worry about what everyone else thinks. It is okay to do something for yourself. And if you have the means to do it and you want to do it, then just pick a good surgeon. Do your research. That's really important.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much. Great advice, Dr. Brown. I'll continue to follow you and all of your entertaining and educating content on TikTok. Thank you for joining us today.
1: I greatly appreciate you so much.
0: All right, Dr. Brown, thank you so much for joining us. It was an absolute pleasure. And how can people stay in touch with you?
1: Um, they can always reach me on Instagram. That's Brown and the real tiktok doc on tiktok i answer my dms a lot you can only dm me on instagram though i don't have my instagram dms turned on on tiktok cuz it's just too many people and you can always call or email me too so i'm available anytime any place and i'm on youtube as well it's dr ricky so hit me up in any of those platforms and i'll be here for you
0: america's favorite plastic surgeon dr ricky brown thank you so much for joining us today thanks patty i hope you enjoyed this episode of the checkable health podcast If you want more information, head over to checkablehealth.com for show notes, links, and resources mentioned in today's podcast. Please hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform to get all of the Checkable Health at-home healthcare details as soon as they're released. Find us on every social channel at Checkable Health. Cheers to living your healthiest and happiest life.